Good morning, church family. So I have a brief message to share with you guys. So once you find your seats, turn your Bibles to Ephesians 4, starting at verse 29. This is out of the New King James Version. So Ephesians 4, verse 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that that may impart grace to, your, to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind one to another tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ, even as God in Christ forgave you. Amen. Could we stand and pray? Oh, also silence your phones. <laughs> All right. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, we can be put in undeserving and painful situations. In these times, I pray that we will that you will fill us with your love and to respond with patience, compassion, and grace. It's in your son's holy name we pray. Amen. I just kept hearing over and over again, be still. We sang that. We sang that a bunch this morning. But do we actually ever just be still in his presence? This world is so full of noise so full of pressure, so full of stuff that we can get caught up in it, I can get caught up in it. But there's times when we just we can just be still in Him. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. But I feel like the Spirit is saying that, that we're, and she just sang it, you know, we need to sit at His feet. There are times. So what I want you to do is you can stand, you can sit, you can kneel, you can whatever however the Lord leads you. But I just like the worship team just to play. We're not going to sing. We're not going to pray. We're, not, we're just going to just sit, just be in His presence. Just be in His presence for a few moments here. Just let Him minister you to you as He leads. Amen. Praise Your name. Praise Your name. Praise your name. Praise your name. Praise you, holy name. Praise your holy name. Praise your holy name. Glory to your holy name. Glory to you, Lord. Glory to you, Lord. Glory to you. Not glory to man, not glory to things, not glory to anything but you glory to your name glory to you father blessed be the name of the lord blessed be the name of the lord hallelujah the name of jesus the name of jesus the name of jesus the name that is above every name glory glory to you lord Glory to you, Lord. Glory. 
you are worthy and uh, you are <laughs> you are worthy hallelujah hallelujah thank you lord I, um, I'm terrified. That's unusual for me. I'm usually quite comfortable in front of people. The fear of the Lord is just all over me. I want to be a while. <laughs> so your fingers will wear out before I'm done. found out half an hour ago that I might get called up here. I don't have a prepared thing exactly. One of the things I love about this church, what we just did, take time. Thank you, Pastor, for your trust in the Lord. I'm teaching this course on the Sermon on the Mount. And even this week as I was preparing for it, just felt such weightiness. Do you guys feel that? Is that in here? Is that just me? There's some really important stuff going on we need to be aware of and respond to correctly. And I wondered this week, as I'm working on the class, I thought, you know, everybody needs to hear some of this. I didn't exactly pray it, but I wondered... I wonder if Pastor John would ever just go, you know what, I think somebody else is supposed to have something to say. <laughs> this morning he comes up to me and says, do you have something to say? I feel like... But that's not the same as being prepared. I really need to pray. Father, Oh, that you would use weak and broken people to declare your goodness is staggering. Father, I pray this morning that you would take the coal from your altar and touch my lips. That I would be purified, that I could be sent to share your word. Father, I pray every word that comes out of my mouth that isn't from you it will fall to the ground unheard. And the rest will impact our hearts. This morning when we were in pre-service prayer, we were praying about unity. You know, the devil's trying to divide the church. He's being very successful at it. And many of us don't know it. We're helping him. For the name of righteousness sake, we might be dividing the church. John 17, this is Jesus' last prayer before he goes to the cross. Now, apart from what he prayed in the garden, just between kind of him and the Lord, this is him wanting people to hear it. 17.23 says, I am in them and you in me, that they would be perfected in unity, that the world may know that you sent me and that you did love them even as you loved me. The world is going to know that we've been sent by Jesus 
They're going to see a unity, and that's how they will know. He continues, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, would be with me where I am, in order that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. Now these are his last words of his prayer. And I have made your name known to them, and I will make it known that the love that you love me with would be in them. Jesus' final prayer. God, make them love me the way you love me. And that's kind of where he's going. Not there yet. We will be known for our love. But I want to talk about this source of division. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus lays out, I call it the kingdom constitution. He says, this is what the kingdom looks like. This is how the kingdom behaves. This is how you respond. This is how you live as a good citizen of the kingdom. We have an American constitution. It does the same thing for this nation. It says, this is who America is. This is how, if you're going to be a citizen here, this is how you will be governed. This is the laws we will use. And it's, a, it's an amazing document. There are many Christian principles in it, for sure, even though most of the people that wrote it weren't Christians. And this is a, a blessed land. God had his hand in the creation of this nation. But that constitution is approximately 10 galaxies away from the kingdom of heaven. There is nothing we can do in the world that will really reflect the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says about what he's teaching in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, those who do these things and teach these things, they will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Those who don't do these things and teach people not to do these things, they will be least in the kingdom of heaven. We are to live by the kingdom constitution. The alternative is what's called the world. The Greek word is cosmos. It means order or arrangement. So it's something about the, it's about the structure. When the Bible refers to the world, when Jesus refers to the world, he's talking about that structure, this socio-cultural structure that is not the kingdom of heaven and that we live in. Who's the God of this world? Satan himself. So, here's the thing. The political systems, including ours, is of the world. Our political system is ruled by Satan himself. A 
right? The God of this world and human governments. Until Jesus is the king and all knees have bowed and every tongue confessed, until that time, we have human governments which operate in the ways of the world. And we have, we have made the best of it, for sure. Through the gospel, through the anointing, through Jesus, we have kept the demonic forces at bay that want to corrupt that. But we need to understand that within our political system, there's a ceiling. As good as it could possibly be, is a long way from the kingdom of heaven. We should be involved in our politics. We should vote. What a blessing to be in a nation where you can choose your own leaders. And we should sit with the Lord and say, well, who should I vote for? That's important. We've got people running for various sorts of office here. Yeah, we should be involved there. We should represent righteousness. But the only tool a government has is laws. It's the only tool they've got. So if we try and make the kingdom of heaven out of the kingdom of the world by using laws, well, what's that look like? We just got abortion overturned. That's a really good thing. Because that is the, the murder of the defenseless, and that should be against the law. If we had as much compassion for unwanted pregnancies as we had passion for overturning that thing, then we'd be looking a little more like the kingdom. Well, you know, what's next? Get rid of gay marriage? Yeah, we can do that. Will there be any fewer gay people in the world? Will any hearts be changed? What's next? Do we pass a law making adultery illegal? Do we put you in jail because you had sex outside of marriage? Right? Now we're the Christian Taliban. Do we make it illegal to build a mosque? Do we outlaw Islam? So the tools we got to work with is laws. We can make things legal, we can make things illegal. Is, is, is that where we're going? I think you can see that that's, that's not our problem. Our problem is in, it's, it's here. Our only solution is revival. Our only solution is Jesus. We're going to get in people's hearts. Gay marriage isn't the problem. The spirit of homosexuality Spirit of Ishtar. Ishtar was a goddess. There's a new book just came out by Jonathan Kahn called The Return of the Gods. I haven't read it. It's brand new, but I just heard an hour-long interview with him about it. 
and he's done all this research on back in way back in ancient days and the way the gods worked and there was this god named Ishtar she has a lot of other names I believe she's also Diana and that's where we get the word Easter which is a celebration of fertility and they found he's found all these ancient inscriptions about Ishtar the priests of Ishtar were required to dress as women It talks about Ishtar has the power to turn men into women and women into men. And so his book, The Return of the Gods, is about this is what's happening. This has infected our social-cultural system. You got a law for that? The thing you need to understand is within the world, Satan is the god of it. And that's where our political system is. And if you're of the mind that one political system is God, or one political party is God's political party, and the other political party is the devil's, you're wrong. They are both the devil's. I'm like trembling, I don't know, <laughs> because I know I'm touching soft spots and sore spots. And we've been doing, thank you, seriously, thank you. Um, all this unity stuff has kind of been going on this morning. I think it was in preparation for this, because this is where the devil's trying to divide the church, and he's being very successful. I don't care if Billy Graham is the president. There's only so much you can do in the political realm. We don't need a better president. <laughs> we, need, we need to manage our expectations for what a different president can do. But I'll say this, you need to not demonize any president. We're instructed to pray for those in authority over us. Are you guys praying for the president right now? Or are you just griping? Just pointing out everything he's doing wrong or are you praying for him? And is it wrong? You know what the liberals want to do? Right? They want to tax the rich and give the money to the poor. Boy, that sounds like Jesus preaching to me. You know what Jesus wants to do? Isn't that what we're commanded as we're supposed to give? If you have more than you need and somebody else doesn't have enough, the kingdom of heaven would say, well, give it to them. So what's the problem? All they have is laws. So now they're going to create tax system and we're going to take your money from you and give it to the poor. I think the heart's rooted in kingdom ideas, but you enforce it by law, the whole thing breaks down. Yeah. If you're not giving it to the poor, well, then you know, taking it away from you and giving it to them, you remain stingy and greedy. And we haven't solved anything. Now, somebody got a few more meals, that's a good thing. 
solution there is in here. Biggest sin in America is greed. We're so blessed. And, and God's had a hand in that. The reason the government spends so much more so much money on entitlements is because the church abandoned their job of taking care of the poor because they want to keep it all for themselves, and then the government had to step in. In the kingdom, we are clearly taught to love our enemies. That's not a passive love. It's not a love that says, hey, okay, yeah, you're all right. No, it's an active love. We're to do good for our enemies, to pray for our enemies. And then what he means there is pray for good things to happen to them. Who's praying for good things to happen to Joe Biden? Jesus is. You want to pray with Jesus or against him? In the political realm, we crush our enemies. In the world, in general, we crush our enemies. When Jesus comes and takes over the government, the government will be upon his shoulders, we're going to beat swords into plowshares. The fact that a government has Fighter jets just shows how far distant we are from the kingdom. I'm not saying we shouldn't have them. In the world, that's kind of what you have to do. But it is so not the kingdom. We spend $800 million a year on defense. That's doubled in the last like five or six years. We ended two wars and we're spending twice as much. We spend more than the next nine nations combined. I'm not saying we should or shouldn't. We have to defend because we are, in fact, in the world. But don't think it's kingdom. Jesus wants us to love our enemies. You can't love your enemy with a bomber. We're backed into a corner because it's a world system. All we have is laws. Our hope, our only hope, is Jesus. A guy named uh, Dr. Michael Brown, I have tremendous love, respect, and trust for this guy. He is a Jewish Jesus lover and a scholar. So he's smart and passionate. Sometimes you get one or the other. And... He just had a new book come out called The Political Seduction of the Church. The devil is trying to destroy the church, and politics is a really big tool he's using. There are a lot of people who love Jesus every bit as much as you do, and they vote for Democrats. And they think those who would support somebody like Donald Trump are clearly insane. Just like, I'm saying you because there's certainly a, a conservative leaning to this body in general, I would say. 
I certainly do. But those who vote the other way aren't. They love Jesus as much as you do. As much as I do, I should make this maybe more personal. And they're seeking the Lord. They're praying for the nation. And they go to the polls and vote the other way. Because there's a lot of things on both sides that are godly. A lot of things on both sides that are ungodly. Jesus said early on in his Sermon on the Mount, he said, as, you know, his, the whole Sermon on the Mount is, you thought it was this way, well, it's really this way. You thought it was this way, well, it's really this way. He says these radical things, blessed are the poor in spirit. You know, when he said that to the crowd, he had to wait for the crowd to quiet down, I assume. I'm sure there would have been people saying, what? What did he say? Blessed are the, the poor in anything aren't blessed. He says, you've heard it said this way, well, it's really this way. You've heard it said this way? Well, it's really this way. And he's taking the law and he's enacting the new covenant away from the letter of the law and saying it's time for the spirit of the law to be written on your hearts. The law says don't commit adultery. So I live by the law and I don't actually commit adultery. But in here, oh yeah, it's going on. Jesus said, You've heard it said. He's coming against Moses here, so this is a big deal. These people, this is, this is really a shocking, the stuff he said. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. I tell you, don't even think about it, or you're already guilty of it. He's taking that written law, saying, it's the heart that's the problem. You can control, if you've got enough self-control, you can control your body and not act on these things. But your heart's damaged. You need a new one. And I've come to give you one. So the trouble with the world and the political system that lives in it, there's no access. What law are you going to pass that will change a person's heart? So he passed laws to protect the innocent. Murder is illegal because you shouldn't kill people. And there are a lot of people that don't kill people only because it's against the law. When the word tells us the law is for the lawless. Can't remember where that is, but there's a for the righteous don't need a law. If it was legal to kill people, I'd like to think I still wouldn't kill anybody. I don't need a law to tell me that. So much like the Old Testament law that the Jews lived under, we were told this was just a thing to contain us until the time of Jesus, until we could break free from that. Jesus said, I haven't come to abolish that. I've come to fulfill it. It was a thing based in the flesh to try and regulate the flesh. I'm here to give you the new covenant written on your heart. I'm going to take that stony heart out and give you a heart of flesh, soft, pliable, that I can write in. The world has nothing like that, and it's the only solution. 
And we are told to not love the world, but to do the kingdom. Because the love of the world is enmity with God. Enmity means deep-seated hatred. Work the world as best we can. Our hope goes in Jesus. Let's do our politics with love. Let's understand that both parties are part of the world and corrupt. Your party isn't God's party, and the other party isn't the devil's party. They're both the devil's party. We make the best choice we can, and we pray for revival. Revival will save this nation and the worst of the world, and nothing else will. Let's realign to that. Back in the mid-90s, I used to go to a uh, five- or six-day festival called Cornerstone. Cornerstone Festival down in Illinois, and it was wonderful. I went there originally for the music. They would have, uh, oh, I don't even know, 13, 14 stages and hundreds of bands. At one point, I think they had 300 bands play over five or six days. I used to go there because I, I was all excited about the music, and then I found out that they also, during the week, during the day, they had tents set up, and they had a thing called, what they called, Cornerstone U. And Cornerstone U is they'd have 10 or 15 tents set up, and then they would have different speakers come in from all over the world and teach in those tents during the day. And, and I just absolutely fell in love with going and listening to these speakers. And I heard, I heard authors, I heard theologians, I heard uh, band members, I heard, I mean, every, you know, all kinds of people spoke uh, during this festival. And one of, one of the saddest days in my heart was the day they, they quit doing Cornerstone. Because... I would go there, and it was like, I, I used to tell people, it was like a reset. I mean, I get so into who I am and what I'm doing and what the world's happening right now and how I think and all of those things that I just get so set in that that I'm right all the time. I'm right. And I would go there, and I'd get my buttons pushed for a whole week. The one that sticks out to me the most, I don't know if you, anybody's ever heard of a man named Donald Miller. Donald Miller. You've heard of him? Donald Miller is an author, is an author. He still is an author. Donald Miller is a liberal. And he's not even, not even like, you know, like him. He's a conservative. And he said some things this morning that pushed your buttons. Donald Miller is a true blue liberal. And the first, I went to hear him because I heard he was an author and I was interested in his work and I went to his work and I went to hear him speak and the first day I walked away ticked. He was wrong. And I was all night long, I'm listening to bands and I'm not enjoying them because I'm thinking, go, that guy ticked me off. I'm going back tomorrow and I'm going to ask a question that's going to blow him out of the water. And I went back again, and he just poured on more liberal stuff. 
And I was like, whoa. And I just, and it was like, you know, there's a lot of people sitting in this under this tent, and he's he's being all liberal. <laughs> Annoying the living daylights out of me. And I was getting madder, and I was going to answer, and I'm going to ask him this question, and it's going to blow him out of the water. And all of a sudden he said something. And I went, oh, shoot. He's right. About that. About that one thing. <laughs> and it convicted me so bad I couldn't even ask him the question I came there to ask him. But I was still ticked that he's a liberal. And I was going to go back the next day. I was going to get, I was going to get, get a hold of myself. I was going to, I was going to, oh, I was going to, I was going to, I was going to really just lie. I mean, I, I'm going to get him. This time I'm going to, I'm going to, so I sat in the front row and he got up and he started talking liberal again. And I was getting madder, but I was like, here we go. This is it. And then the whole second half of what he was talking about, <sighs> dropped me to my knees. Because he was talking about the love of God. That man's a brother. He's wrong about his politics, but he's a brother. (laughs) Third day, fourth day, fifth day, I just went to hear what God had to say. I still don't agree with his politics, but the man knows Jesus. There was, there was things about what he said. He, it was clear to me, he knew Jesus more than I did. We can get so wrapped up in always being right. And if we surround ourselves by only people who think like us, we are only right. We're always right then. The problem with that is it's dangerous. It is good to be challenged. It is. It's good to be challenged. You still may not agree, but it's good to be challenged. Praise God for wives. (laughs) Praise God for my wife. Because she challenges me. I make a statement sometimes because I'm just, I'm, I'm right. I'm John. I'm right. <laughs> and she's learned over the years. Sometimes she just goes, <laughs> yeah. You keep thinking that, big fella. <laughs> what? I'm right, right? And she goes, really? Have you ever thought of it this way? Oh. Praise God for people who are different than us and who think differently than us. It's good. I mean, I, 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 you know, when he first started this morning, I thought, oh, great, where's he going now? <laughs> but praise God for the Holy Ghost. Because he's right. He's right. There was something the Lord wanted us to hear this morning. Why? Because... We can't allow any division in the body of Christ. Any. Ever. The kingdom of God is way more important than me being right. 
I can be right and be wrong every single time. I can be right factually. I can be right. I can be right uh, technically. I can be right. But if I'm wrong in my heart, in my attitude, in my spirit, if I'm if I choose to be judgmental, if I choose to draw lines and separate rather than in, to pull in, then I'm wrong. Then I'm wrong. Jesus did stuff all the time that is not what any of us would do. He went and ate with people that none of us would go eat with. He'd hang out with people and he blessed people and he forgave people that it made no sense to the day. No sense whatsoever. Now we don't stop trying to make a difference. We don't stop being. Praise God. I'm, I'm, I'm glad he said it. I'm going to say it again. Praise God that there are people in this church running for office. God bless you because you're a voice in this. It is huge. I, I, I don't doubt. Young people, young people, you need to start praying because I believe God wants some of you to run for office, to be a voice. But do it with love. Praise God. These people who are running for office, you, make it, you, you choose in your heart that you're going to do this in love, and you're going to be, ho, ho, ho. You'll not only get into office, you'll make a difference. And you can love someone and disagree with them totally. That's more powerful than being right and destroying them. This was a hard morning, wasn't it? It was a good morning. But it's truth hurt. You know, some truth. I boy, I'd go there every year, and I would have my buttons pushed, and I would, I would. But I came away going, okay, okay, it's about Jesus. And I and I would and I grew because of that challenge. Boy, I have so much more I could say. But he already preached. I'll let, I'll let it stay there. Linda? So, here we are. What I'm going to talk about, I've talked about before, but God has given me a little different angle. A couple months ago, I talked about um, heaven and what it was like. Do you remember that? If you were here, raise your hand. Nobody remembers. Okay. Then all the more reason for me to say it again, right? So if you will turn in your Bibles to Revelations chapter 21, verse 18. God's building a wall that is of jasper, but the city is gold, like pure glass. I want you to think about something. This morning in the service when Jamie was singing a song, she said a word that's a part of what I'm going to talk about. Imagination. How many of you have a really good imagination? Raise your hand. Okay, the rest of you, here's a place to work, right? Because God has imagination. Before he created light, he thought about it. And so you need to think about it too. Okay, so do you remember the Tower of Babel? Where the people 
God said that anything the people imagined to do, they could do it, right? Right? So how powerful is imagination in conjunction with our belief system? Important? Okay. So it is important. God wants us to have an imagination. I work with kids, and they are back in school. I got to see all their lovely faces this week. Um, and you know, kids have a really great imagination, and I'm going to challenge you to be childlike in that, and also childlike in your faith, because that's why God asked us to be like little children. They have great imaginations, and they can just trust God for anything and everything. Do you remember the time I stood up in church and I said, you know, I believe in God that I'm going to get a million dollars. You know what? I didn't get it yet. Does that mean I'm going to quit? No. What am I going to use the million dollars for? I'm going to use some of it for me, a small portion, but I'm going to use the rest to minister the gospel to the world. That's why God wants to bless us with good things. And if we look at this scripture in Revelations, we know that God has more than enough, right? Because my street is not gold paved. The street that comes, my driveway is dirt. And then it goes to a dirt cul-de-sac. And then it gets to tar. But none of those are gold. So I've got a long ways to go. I want you to imagine, what is it God wants to bless you with? How does he want to bless you? Who does he want you to bless after he blesses you? Because there are always people out there. It's, there's never a shortage for people to bless, right? So even if I get two million, I'll still have plenty to give to, won't I? Lots of people need that. So this week I challenge you, Think about the streets of gold and ask with God, process with God, what do you want me to believe you for? Now, you might not be at the million-dollar post yet. You might be at the, oh, God, I, um, I heard Joyce Meyer say she believed God for washcloths. So if you're at the washcloth post, you believe for that. If, if you're someplace between that and, and the million dollars, believe for that. Wherever you're at, trust God. And then use that money that he gave you to bless people. Because we need to be that, that tool to the world, don't we? We need to be the tool. Verse 21 talks about there's 12 gates, and each of them is a pearl. I also don't have pearls on my gates. Mine are wooden posts that look kind of ancient looking, because they're supposed to look, you know, kind of old and rugged, I guess. And the streets, again here, are noticed that there's transparent gold. Also in the previous scripture between the two I wrote, I read, there are precious stones. And again, this is a picture of how God wants earth to be. He wants our lives to be filled with all of these good things because this is the way he made heaven. And he initially wanted earth to be a replication of heaven, didn't he? Now, there was a mess up on the road, but it still means he wants it to be like heaven. And in heaven, everybody that wants to eat, eats, right? But we've got a ways for that on earth, don't we? So, I'm going to pray.
And I believe they're going to put up that nice little slide that says how you're going to give. So you could go to the box in the back. You could give by mail at the address 5900 Lake Elmo Avenue, Lake Elmo, Minnesota, 55042. Online, www.rvccinfo backslash donate. Or you could come in person Monday through Friday, Monday through Thursday, excuse me. Um, Monday through Thursday, 9 to 3. So you choose, and God will bless, right? And I'm going to pray over the offering because you know what? God wants us to give, but he also wants us to receive. So we, we need to be a two-parter here, okay? All right. Father, we just thank you today. We thank you that your word is so powerful. We thank you for the image that you gave me this morning, that it is an image of your abundance. Help us, Father, to begin to imagine abundance for us, not so we can be greedy, Lord, but so that we can love the world like you do, that we can give passionately and compellingly to the things you put it in our heart to do. And Father, we ask that today, if there are those who do not have to give, we're asking you'll bless them so that they will have to give. And we ask, Father, that those who do have to give, that either they will choose or you will direct them as to what to choose in their giving. And we just ask that all of it will be blessed because that's what you do, God. You are a God of blessing. Hallelujah. And we just thank you for that. We ask that you will bless the people as they leave today, that you will give them a great week, that they will consider in their imagination what you want for them to do. And we will give you the praise, Father, and the glory and the honor. Amen, Jesus.